You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. I'm falling, and I can't get up! Never sleep, and uh, it's an interesting show we're going to have today uh, because we're in the middle of a hurricane. But, uh, as the saying goes, the show must go on. So I apologize for uh, the uh, my audience, which is probably uh, not the best world at this point. Uh, but we have some great guests that are lined up before the show, and uh, you know. Being printed and how that book's going to end. So, uh, 
you know, that's that's kind of the, 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 the quick background of how we look at things, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get through this election in the next four years okay. Well, I think that's a big thing now, you know, the in an election year. A lot of things are happening, um, and as you know, uh, Brian, you know, the past four years have been less than fun. <laughs> okay, you know, but opportunities do arise. Um, and, uh, you know, going into, you know, whoever, I mean, if Obama is reelected or whether Romney comes in and he's our new president, either way, I don't know how much of an impact um, either one would make on on the market conditions. You know, uh, Romney comes in, you know, market bounces up a little bit. Obama comes in, market may come down a little bit. But long term, you know, uh, what's best? What's best for the economy? What's best for small business? What's best for business? You know, I think a lot of these questions come up, um, and in my opinion, you know, as I'm sitting here. These are the things that I think about. (laughs) Right. You know, uh, it seems to me as though there's there's some fear among early stage investors. I've seen a lot of people go more towards commodities, you know, gold, silver, uh, you know, try to get some of their assets, uh, uh, you know, related to oil in some ways. Uh, You know, real estate, uh, farmland has been going up a lot. So, you know, hopefully we're going to get through this period of the next, you know, who knows, couple years, and and things will uh, turn around, and we'll we'll get. To, I don't know if we'll get back to where we were, but I think there'll be a little bit more optimism, you know, once some of this uh, debt is worked down. But you know, we are seeing a pretty strong demand still in energy uh, projects. Uh, you know, the way the uh, the price of the barrel is right now is meaning that uh, projects are getting funded, both for oil and gas. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we've got uh, a year or two or so to go uh, to see uh, where this is all going to play out. But uh, uh, right now, a little bit of uncertainty still on the sidelines. Yeah, I, I think that you're, you're you're right about that. We're just waiting to see. You know, but I, I personally, again, is my opinion. No matter who gets elected, I think that they're going to, you know, whoever it is is going to weather the storm and probably in the next couple of years is start looking better regardless, you know, because things are a cycle. Right, absolutely. And, again, whether it's a new administration or a second Obama administration, you know, my guess is that the party is going to come out with some new initiatives, uh, some new funding, and, and try some new things. Uh, you know, clearly we've seen things that haven't worked with the economy, and, um I think that that we're going to get a little shot in the arm, and hopefully we'll find uh, some new areas. I'm also hoping that they're going to unleash entrepreneurs. You know, entrepreneurs have faced higher costs uh, over the last, I don't know, well, five to ten years maybe. Um, We've seen more regulation, and uh, I think some of the government spending has cut into the available resources that uh, entrepreneurs can get. Banks have been reluctant to loan. So uh, hopefully we're going to get back to a point where small businesses can grow and prosper, hire more people, and go. But I think there are going to be a few structural changes needed before uh, we're back to the go-go days there. But I really think uh, small businesses, you know, have been and can continue to be the driving force of this country if we let them do what they do best. Well, I think that that is the key thing because, you know, the, the, this country, the United States, was built on business. Growth, 
okay, uh, being innovative, manufacturing. And a lot of these things that I've seen over the past decade, you know, little by little have subsided. You know, if you, you have the dot-coms, we still do. You know, whether it be Google, Facebook, you know, you know I mean, in, in tech, you have Apple, you have a lot of innovative companies that have done uh, very well. Uh, but we need, you know, the government needs to actually take a step back and allow these these companies actually flourish. And the only way they're going to do it, they're not going to do it by increasing taxes. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. You know, um, I think they need to create opportunities for these small businesses. Right. And, you know, I'm also seeing among small businesses a trend where they're doing more barter. They're trying mm-hmm. to do more equity for services. I've seen several examples of alternative currencies. Uh, for instance, I'm involved with a little incubator that's trying to attract uh, small businesses to the town. And whereas the town itself doesn't have a lot of money, they've come up with this alternative currency concept where they're giving credits to investors, the, uh, I mean, to the entrepreneurs, where the entrepreneurs can use those credits in that town to, you know, get, a, get an apartment, get food, you know, hire an attorney, hire an accountant. And uh, the, the thinking in the little town is that if they can nourish these uh, companies for maybe a year or two, give them a, a place to work, um, then at the end of the year or two, these little companies will be able to maybe go out and get some venture capital or, or get some in investments from investors. They will have advanced their business plans so they're more credible. You know, maybe at that point there will be some, some bank money available. But uh, I'm really seeing a lot more creativity on the part of uh, these little communities that are trying to attract uh, entrepreneurs that don't have a lot of money. And I think there could be a future in some of these alternative currencies that have popped up. That's interesting. Now, you're working with some of these incubators, uh, Brian? That's right. You know, there are a lot of incubators. Well, I don't know about a lot, but there's probably several dozen technology incubators around the country. Some of them are, uh, you know, private partnerships. Some of them are purely private. Um, Some give uh, funds directly to entrepreneurs. Others do uh, uh, services in exchange for equity. Um, but I think this alternative currency uh, idea is really interesting. You know, a lot of this started, I believe, with the Berkshire Bucks uh, in Berkshire, Massachusetts, some years ago, where they actually printed a bill. And nowadays, more of that is online. So, for instance, at community-exchange.com, it's really an international system of credits uh, that uh, companies and individuals can tap into to, you know, get credit that's not uh, denominated in a fiat currency. And uh, I think it's a really exciting development for those uh, companies that are trying to bootstrap and get something done. And I think it will be the future of, uh, you know, this economy and hopefully the world. Well, I mean, I guess you think is what they're doing. They're opening up doors and giving opportunity to uh, these really uh, micro, ultra-micro companies to give them a, a shot of becoming a success. Right. Right, that's right. And, you know, I don't need to tell any of your listeners what the Internet has done for small businesses, but obviously they've got a worldwide reach, and as more and more people come online around the world and more people feel comfortable with the Internet and there are more payment systems and mobile payment systems, uh, more information, it's just really opening uh, the world to consumers. And, again, the idea of the long tail, you don't need to have too many customers in one place to make a decent business, you can ship a product or service uh, around the world, and you can exploit niches a whole lot easier 
than we ever could uh, when you and I were young. Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely no doubt about it. You know, the Internet has made the world a small place out for, you know, small business to actually work as a big business uh, by utilizing, you know, uh, their, their reach, okay? And, uh, you know, I mean, a small business can actually reach to someone and Istanbul and do business with them where normally, you know, uh, maybe, you know, back in the early 90s, you wouldn't be able to do that. Very difficult. Right. And, you know, Lewis, another thing I've heard a lot about uh, this year in 2012 is crowdfunding. You probably get a lot of that, too. But the regulations are still somewhat in flux. The SEC, I don't think, has uh, finalized those uh, regulations. But when they do and uh, investors are easier to – are going to find it easier to access investments online, do due diligence, check out the backgrounds of folks, I think that's going to open up uh, a lot of avenues for new investment among uh, early-stage companies. So my fingers are crossed that these crowdfunding uh, initiatives get uh, solidified after the election, and and uh, we see some money going to some some good worthy early early stage companies. And that that crowdfunding, I mean, it's been in uh, in discussion for some time. I know uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, had an article about it. I actually spoke to them when they were, they were writing the article. Not that they took my quotes for it, but that's okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, crowdfunding it's interesting. Um, you know, because I, I believe with crowdfunding, you don't need to have an accredited investor. Um, you don't have to be accredited investor to invest in a company. Um, people, you know, small business owners can actually use social media to market it. Where now it's kind of you really can't do that. You know, so they they, they can, there are a lot of things at the disposal, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's uh, pretty much what uh, I've seen. Right. No, you're exactly right. And, of course, the devil's in the details. If in a registered firm, you know, there's certainly a lot that we have to comply with. And when you start offering investments to non-accredited, you know, it's a uh, it's a touchy subject because you certainly want to make sure that, that there's suitability done and that it's appropriate and people aren't putting too much of their equity into, into one deal since, you know, there's a lot of risk with them. So, uh, no, I think it's going to be a real minefield there of the securities laws, but hopefully we'll get some clarity soon, and that'll be an opportunity because you're seeing with Kickstarter and a lot of these uh, deals where people can either do early stage kind of donations, if you will, or give money to companies for very worthy ideas, and, you know, there's some film sites. I think those are great. You know, in that case, uh, they aren't really investors. They're people kind of making a donation they're not looking for a monetary return so much as a return in kind or a return to society. Um, but I think when you go, you know, pure profit motive, uh, I'm sure the regulators are going to have to have uh, their say in that and know how to police it and how to make it uh, good for everybody. So I'm hoping it's not a bubble that pops, but rather that that's one that, you know, really benefits society and can take us to the next level. Cause you're seeing such incredible uh, technologies coming out of universities and, and uh, Raj's that, uh, uh, again, the more money we can get for these early-stage projects in general, I think that's going to be the driver of engine, uh, the engine of, of jobs creation going forward. Oh, yeah, I, I have, I agree with you, Brian, you know, because uh, you do have a lot of uh, young, talented people that are, you know, they're, they're in the middle of their, uh, their education, or they're at a tech school, or whatever, I don't care where it is, they're there and they're looking, they, they have a thought, they have an idea. And how do you execute on it? You know, uh, you look at, you 
he, they just went and did it. You know, what, the details as far as how, who did what and where, it's not my concern. Uh, what, what it is is that it was a, a, in college that aspired to do something and had an idea and really pushed it, and that's what we see now. And it happened with uh, a couple of companies. So, yeah, giving that opportunity, you know, to uh, these these young minds that have their, they have their fingers on the pulse of technology in the future, okay, and giving them the opportunity is a key thing. We have to embrace that. Absolutely. And, you know, going along with this theme of reducing costs and trying to do more with uh, less and bootstrapping, I'm seeing more people spending more time in the country and in smaller towns and in lower-cost areas. Um, you know, younger people aren't as desirous of maybe jumping into the real estate market with a big house or a new car. I think they're doing a better job of investing what they have, you know, for their future, uh, keeping their, their living costs down, not getting on, you know, some of the, the debt trains that the, perhaps our generation got on some time ago. And I think it's a real sensible approach to uh, to try to, to watch costs. And, you know, kids are coming out of school with such great education these days that, uh, you know, we didn't dream of and just cutting-edge knowledge. And uh, I think to the extent that they can continue to watch their costs, uh, conserve their pennies, and invest where they can, I think they're going to find some incredible niches. Look what's going on with, you know, biotechnology and the advances uh, continue in IT and other areas that uh, I think still a lot of opportunities out there. But, again, we've been cash-constrained for the last uh, four or five years, uh, and I think people are just learning to do a lot more with a lot less. And, and that's good because if you can do a lot more with a lot less, that means uh, when things do occur and you, you start creating solutions, your profit margins are going to be that much better because you already learn how to uh, course cut and how to do stuff on a shoestring budget. Right. That's true. And, you know, I think, uh, again, maybe with our generation, we tended to kind of quickly go into more corporate jobs and, you know, fill those cubicles. And more and more young people I'm seeing are saying, listen, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do my own thing. I'm going to take some risks, uh, keep my costs down, maybe, you know, postpone a family a little bit longer and, uh, and 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 try to make it. And I think, you know, with the fewer number of jobs out there, it's a great time to get out there and, and try things. Uh, a lot of niches are, are opening up. You know, a lot of the baby boomers are starting to retire, and, and uh, I think there will be some exciting businesses that will uh, follow in their places. Well, I, I think that this is a time where we're going to see a lot of magic happen. Okay, we've seen it before. We're going to see it again. And I, and I just hope that, you know, the involvement of government is uh, to help to allow um, innovative uh, ideas to, to fall into play in regards to finance, okay, and these companies finding an easy road to get finance. Because, you know, I think government, as the SEC and the regulators, is so concerned about fraud after everything that transpired. You know, Madoff was a cherry on top of everything. You know, things have been happening for a while, and I, I think that they're afraid of that occurring again. But you can't add more government regulation. Uh, it just makes it harder for business to grow. And, again, that's my opinion, but I right. think it's harder. Yep. And I'll tell you, it's, it's also amazing to me to see 
when you look at the self-reliance and, and people trying to do more with what they have, some of the, you know, rooftop gardens coming up in New York City, uh, mm -hmm. you know, people farming small plots in urban areas, selling some of their produce to the local restaurants. I was at a restaurant the other night that only buys its, uh, you know, uh, uh, food sources within 100 miles. And, uh, you know, I think, again, it's the whole theme of doing more with less. People are getting creative, taking more of the destiny of their own hands. And I think, uh, you know, some of the urban gardening trends is, is, is one manifestation of that. Yeah, I think that's definitely a big thing. I know, you know the biggest rooftop garden, um, organic garden in the United States, lots of Long Island City, New York. Okay. Wow. In there. Um, and uh, great, great place, great, great situation they have there. And I think more of those rooftop uh, organic gardens uh, are going to to flourish. You know, and that, that's just one thing. But it, it has to do, and you, you hit the nail on the head, doing more with less. Okay, and then that, that's a big thing. Now, Brian, now you, um, you, you're working with a few companies now, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got uh, we have a focus on geothermal, uh, as I mentioned, some energy uh, exploration and production. Uh, we've got uh, another company that turns uh, you know waste into electricity to sell back into the grid. So, a lot of interesting energy projects uh, out there. And a lot of these companies, as I say, well, probably half of them are are uh, you know stage private companies, and a bunch are earlier stage microcap public companies. Um, you know, have very interesting prospects for the future, and we're just trying to help them, uh, you know, move them to the next uh, stage. One of the ways we get them out is through this private equity conference that we host at the Yale Club in New York a couple times a year. The next one is November 29th, and, you know, it's a way to get uh, early-stage companies together with people that could uh, help take them to the next level. Okay, now these uh, these private companies you know, that, that you have um – uh, you, I guess you introduce them to your accredited investors, you know, that you think may have an interest in getting involved? Yeah, that's that's definitely a piece of it. That's probably the last piece. But, you know, building up to that is trying to help them get with the right uh, business professionals, make sure they've got, you know, the, the, the you know good legal team, a good accountant and an auditor, you know, who's writing the business plan, who's who's doing the marketing plan, how's their PR you know, you try to line all those dominoes up just right so when you're ready to, to push them over and start looking for investment, you've got things outlined, and it, it tells a credible story, one that the market will buy. Uh, but, again, I think with the right preparation, sometimes companies go off a little too fast and they stub their toe and maybe don't uh, don't meet their financing goals. So I think that preparation is real important. We have with that. Well, I mean, that's what they have you there for, for you to, to help mold their, not only their, their business plan, but their entire business, and also looking forward, you know, because you have to have a plan looking forward five years, ten years, whatever the outlook is, you got to have something there, and you have to you have to be able to adhere to it. And that's what they have you there for to help them to do this, right? Absolutely. You know, and we'll help with some of the competitive intelligence because, you know, niches are filled instantly these days. So if someone has a great widget, it might be great today, but tomorrow, you know, there might be a bunch of competitors there. So we try to uh, to look at the macro picture and see who else is out there, what are the other technologies that could be coming into this niche. You know, are they domestic, are they foreign, 
you know, what can blindside a management that has its head down, working hard every day in the trenches. And uh, I think it's important to, you know, we're, we're not necessarily going to put in the 25 hours a day to help them build a widget, but uh, we certainly can give them some, some broad advice and try to, uh, to, to look out a little further and help them uh, tweak what they're doing so that they don't, uh, you know, spend all their time going down a cul-de-sac that just won't pay out. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, uh, any private companies that, you know, that, that are out there that are looking for this guidance, I think that Starlight Investments is definitely, you know, you know, a company they should actually look to because you can actually help them to reach their goals. Uh, well, yes, that's, thanks, Louis. You're very kind. Um, you know, we've got a bunch of information listed on our website at starlightinvestments.com, and we certainly welcome people sending us business summaries or, you know, uh, have questions about what they're doing and more than happy to help uh, guide people. If there's something I can't do directly, hopefully I'll have somebody in my Rolodex that, that can help them move forward and uh, accomplish their goals. Okay, and it doesn't cost them anything to submit their business plan, does it? Not at all. You know, I spend, uh, I'm sure, hundreds and hundreds of hours each year trying to help early-stage companies get with the right partner, uh, you know, that I can't help directly. And, and that's, uh, you know, kind of what goes around, comes around. I get a lot of great referrals, too, so it's, uh, it's, it's getting the right people in the right places. Okay, good. I mentioned that because I know uh, over the years I've seen companies come around that uh, that have a, they made they made a decision to charge people to look at their business plan, which I think is a joke. Um, and that's why I want people to understand that you're there to genuinely help them, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show because your your insight, you know, to the micro cap and private uh, sector is is key. So these companies that are up there, up and comers, they're they're looking. They can be the next big thing. That can be the next Apple or the next, you know, whatever. It, you know, if you but you are trying to make all this happen, I think that's fantastic. Well, um, and again, so, I can think I can think of a lot of ways I stubbed my toes when I started off, and sure wished I had a mentor or someone looking over my shoulder to give me a little advice. And uh, you know, we try to help uh, put them on the right track and get them with the right folks because. A little advice could go a long way for someone who's just starting out that's really uh, maybe they know their technology very well in their space, but, you know, outside of that, they're a little bit lost, and, and uh, you know, we all need help. Yeah, no, and that's a good thing to do. And I, and I have to say it again, uh, private companies that are looking for that guidance, get in touch with Starlight Investments, starlightinvestments.com, look up Brian Emerson and, and connect with them because, he, he does know what he's talking about. And now, Brian, you and I spoke, and I want to get your, your insight on this, because in, in a second we're going to talk about what's happening at the uh, Yale Club. Uh, but, but what's your outlook on the market as a whole? Well, I, I'd have to say, again, I'm a little bit bearish. I'm a little bit negative on the next, you know, year or two as, uh, you know, we, we you hear about this fiscal cliff coming up. We've been printing all this money. You know, our markets in Europe uh, certainly have been, uh, you know, tumbling. Um, you know, Japan has a, a huge, uh, you know, debt-to-GDP ratio. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty in there, uh, you know, possibly a new administration or, or, or a second term for Obama. And I think until that uncertainty has gone and people see that there's a plan going forward that's credible 
and that uh, can be sustained, then um, I'm I'm bearish. I, I don't I don't know that I can give you a number on where I think the market's going to be at a certain point in time. But again, it seems to me kind of frothy right now. We have heard a lot of earnings estimates uh, coming down. I wouldn't be surprised if more come down uh, using the cover of the storm right now in New York and the market's being closed for a couple of days. But I, I think uh, they're going to tend to drift down for the next, I don't know, possibly year or two until we, we figure out, uh, uh, you know, what's the what's a credible way forward. And then maybe at that point uh, we could test some new highs. But I think I, I'm, I'm bearish for the next year or two. Okay, that's fair enough. You know, uh, I, I asked you what your outlook is on it because I think everyone has a different opinion on Okay, we had a uh, slight interruption, as I said earlier in the show. Uh, we had Brian Emerson on the show from Starlight Investments, and we actually uh, we've had we have some really bad reception because right now we're in the middle of a massive hurricane uh, on the East Coast. So I, I'm trying to do the show the best I can. Uh, money never sleeps, um, and but we're continually losing power. So um, the next time uh, I may not be able to come back on the show, uh, but hopefully um, that won't be the case. But what I'm going to do right now is take a quick break, and uh, hopefully we'll have our next guest uh, coming on the show. Right, we did a show the other day uh, to benefit uh, Animal Rescue, so I'm just going to run those uh, commercials. I'm going to be right back. Uh, with you guys in a few minutes. You're listening to UCW Radio in your face. I like their size. I love their texture. Their shape, feel. They complete me. Big, small, it doesn't matter. Yes, I like boobies. Love boobies. Yes, I love boobies. Yes, I love boobies. I love boobs. Most of us know someone who's been affected by breast cancer. My friend. My piano teacher. My sister. My aunt. My teacher. My two aunts. My aunt. I beat breast cancer. We can beat this together. Show the world how much you care. And join us in the fight. Because it's more than just boobs. It's life. It's my great honor to present Chen Guang Chung with his Human Rights Award. Ladies and gentlemen, Cheng Wanchang. I have not been officially trained in the law, but one doesn't need to go to a special school to understand justice. 
no one with a conscience can stand by when innocent people are bullied and beaten until they bleed. That's why those called barefoot lawyers got our hands on law books and passed them battered from use from person to person. We studied the rules so we could play by them even while Chinese authorities ignore them. As I learn about the law in America, it is clear that Western lawyers operate on the notion that speaking up makes a positive difference. As you say here, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Despite all that he inherited, President Obama did not repair our economy. He did not save Medicare and Social Security. He did not tame the spending and borrowing. He did not reach across the aisle to bring us together. Nor did he stand up to China's trade practices or deliver on his promise to remake our relations with the Muslim world, where anti-American extremism is on the rise. What he inherited wasn't the only problem. What he did with what he inherited made the problem worse. In just four short years, he borrowed $6 trillion nearly, adding almost as much debt held by the public as all prior American presidents combined. Today we received, by the way, the latest round of discouraging economic news. Last quarter, our economy grew at just 2%. After the stimulus was passed, the White House promised that the economy would now be growing at 4.3%, over twice as fast. Slow economic growth means slow job growth and declining take-home pay. That's what four years of President Obama's policies have produced. Dogs Last Chance, also known as Last Chance for Animals, conducts undercover investigations into the nation's most notorious dog dealers and puppy mills. Here's a baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. You can do it. I love my baby. Okay. Special Investigations Unit, or SIU, gathers undercover footage and documentation, which is used to prosecute perpetrators and help get animal-friendly legislation passed. The SIU's undercover investigations into Class B dealers, known for stealing pets and selling them to research facilities, resulted in the first felony conviction in U.S. history for an animal-related crime, first permanent revocation of a Class B dealer license, and the largest fine ever imposed on a Class B dealer. LCA's work is only possible through the generous support of people like you. Your donation will help keep LCA's investigators in the field. Look at you. Hey, how you doing? How are you, sir? Hi, Sia here, the better half of the Barbie twins. Uh, Shane and I are here today protesting the pet shops because pet shops and internet are the ones I buy from puppy mills. And puppy mills are bad news. You don't want to ever get a puppy from a pet shop or the internet because the puppy mills mass produce these poor little dogs day and night, year-round, heat, cold, it doesn't matter. They're outside in small cages, treated like property. Uh, they don't have names. They have numbers. They don't care if they're dying, malnutrition. They just mass-produce until they get enough puppies to put in each of these pet stores or the Internet. And these puppies end up sick because they're interbred with each other. Uh, they're malnutrition. They you will end up with tons and tons of vet bills all the way. So please do your part. You can write your lawmakers, state and federal, to ban puppy mills. You can give information out to everyone to ban puppy mills by protesting 
pet shops that's, that get these puppies, and about 99% of pet shops do, regardless of what they say, get their puppies from puppy mills. So it's a no-no on pet shops and Internet. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. All right, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps. And again, I apologize for all the technical uh, gremlins that are <laughs> that are involved with the show tonight. But as I said earlier, uh, I'm right in the middle of a, a hurricane. And so is... Uh, you know, so a lot of millions of people on the Eastern Seaboard. Um, we were, we had uh, Dave Gadet and Sam Cademo from Oxo Homes that are supposed to be coming on the show, but I think that, you know, we've all, uh, you know, uh, had some issues uh, tonight. Uh, so that's uh, been the that's been the deal there. Uh, before we bring on our next guest, I just want to say that New York Governor uh, Cuomo and New Jersey Governor Christie, they've been doing an amazing job during this whole uh, hurricane uh, catastrophe that's going on. And as as I'm speaking to you on the show, we're right in the midst of the heaviest part of it. So uh, without further ado, I want to bring on David Breton of DJB Business Brokers on the show so he can tell you, he can tell us what's going on in the great state of Florida and uh, tell us what's going on in the business broking world. David, are you with us? I'm I'm here, Lou. Nice nice to be on the show, and uh, thank you for having me. I look forward to speaking with you for a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you for coming on the show. You know, you're going to give us some insight on what's going on in the Florida market, and also give us some insight with um, what's going on in the world of uh, business uh, broking, maybe uh, brokering. Uh, I, I, we, want, we don't want business broken. We want business brokering. <laughs> I hear you. That, you know, for, uh, first and foremost, just uh, you know, prayer, prayers down in Florida go out to all all you up there. Uh, you're getting hit pretty hard with that uh, uh, hurricane uh, Sandy. So usually yeah. we're the hurricanes down here, and, and, and you're the snow up there. So we we, no, we uh, dodged the bullet this time, but it, it looks like it's uh you're, you're feeling, you know, down here in Florida very well. It's hitting hard, my man, because right now, as I'm on, as I'm on the show with you, because uh, you have to go mobile on this, uh, things are falling all over the place. The winds are like whipping, like banshees, okay, and you have water all over the place. So we're going to try to go as deep as we can with the show. Um, and if we if we lose, because it's possible we can lose power again, which I think is going to wind up happening. So I don't want to keep you from speaking. So tell us what's going on with DJB business brokers. Well, the um, the, the the things that that we're seeing right now is we're just seeing a, a almost like a rise of uh, the entrepreneur spirit. Um, entrepreneurism in general is um, though though we're biased as you know being being in bit in business. Uh, we, we do believe it's the foundation of uh, what, what makes America and this country great. Um, small business uh, accounts for uh, a, a multitude of jobs, and it shouldn't be overlooked, uh, even though it, you know, it's not on the ticker tape of CNBC on a, on a daily basis, though there are a lot of uh, small businesses that uh, do end up getting you know, publicly traded. Um, but um, the, a, a lot of things that we're, that we're seeing right now are just uh, the, uh, I, I call it the, uh, um, going going into the eye of the storm for you know lack lack of better words, uh, the, the the average entrepreneur is uh, at this time is is overcoming unsur- uh, unsurmountable odds 
uh, as far as uh, um, dealing with economic uh, force winds and, and, and trends and um, uh, compressing margins and, and uh, uh, lack of liquidity out there. But, but what, we, what we are seeing is um, companies that are, that are streamlining and becoming very, very efficient in what they're doing. And uh, on, the, on the good side of that is those that are looking to exit those businesses are, are seeing, you know, multiple premiums uh, in the private market. So that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a definite good thing. And we spoke about it you know, with our last guest with, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit and, and giving the opportunities because, you know, right now, and, and I, said, I mentioned this earlier, you know, small business has been kind of deprived over the past, you know, uh, three, four, five years. Okay, so um, what do you think is going to make things change at this point? Um, the biggest thing is there there needs to be um, a loosening in the um, in the lending standards. There's a lot of um, uh, mo- most of in, in in the business world, um, most of the funding is coming through SBA programs, which are like SBA 7A programs, 504s, microloans. Uh, but what's a big misconception is the SBA actually doesn't give the loan. Uh, they uh, are basically a, a guarantor to the local bank that's doing it. Um, but, um, I mean, a, a lot of uh, real estate agents are also starting to see this, and I, and I believe the uh, National Association of Realtors were, were talking that they're looking for even tighter lending standards on the, uh, going into the first um, as uh, Dodd-Frank uh, bill you know, comes, comes into full effect. So I, I think if, if we had to if we had to narrow it down to one thing, um, buyers want to buy, sellers want to sell, um, everybody is agreeable on price, but uh, it's the lack of financing at an easy level, um, that not, not back to the rah-rah days where uh, you, anybody could get a loan, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's almost like the pendulum has swung from one side too far to the other side too far. So we need to get back into that happy middle ground. And uh, when, it, when it does, um, I, 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 there, there's such a pent-up demand. Um, I, I know that's a, a term you, that, that you're familiar with, you know, with, uh, in the Wall Street communities, but uh, it also applies here to, you know, regular Main Street. There, there's, a, there's a lot of people that want to do things, um, and they're capable with their 20, 30, even sometimes 50% down payments, but uh, without... Uh, the um, addition of seller help financing, um, it, it, it's becoming difficult. So that, that that's kind of, if I, if I can nail it down to one uh, caveat that, that will open the floodgates, that's it. Well, I, I think that, you know, your your background, David, you know, you, you, you've done the spectrum of things from real estate, you were on Wall Street, you've done these things. So you can come to... Uh, to, to these groups, you can come to these individuals that are looking to do this. You can come to them with a different perspective on on what is real and what is not. Well, that's that, that it, it does it does help. Um, there's different financing levels that go on uh, the, the larger companies. So, um, in, in very very simplistic and basic terms, is is having um, Main Street. To lower middle market to actually publicly traded large cap companies, um, the the avenue of financing or, or or that spectrum is vastly different on the level of each of those companies. Your previous guest was mentioning about uh, crowdfunding, and um, that I think is actually a phenomenon that is going to explode. Um, 
in, um, in, in, in competitors. And as competitors you start to come to the field, um, there will be more aggressive rates both to uh, the, the lenders and, and to the, uh, the borrowing public. So, um, you think you know, crowdfunding is actually going to spark these lenders you know, once they have the ability to actually go and start opening up the floodgates? You know, for them to capture that that um, uh, that market, they've kind of um, kind of pushed away for so many years. A- a- absolutely. Um, you know, I I I was I was taught a very very long time ago that you know try to uh, try to you know you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but try to you know at least follow what the smart people are doing, and then at least it can make you look smart. Um, but uh, all jokes aside, uh, the, uh, the, there's um, there's some there's some heavy names that are going into crowd crowd uh, funding and, and uh, even some of like the popular household names, Prosper.com and, and, and you know basically you know peer-to-peer lending and I mean this is this is a phenomenon that we're that is just though it's been around for you know it's been around for almost a decade now um, it's really starting to, to gain traction as um, the the uh, almost being forced to the forefront because it's the only alternative outside of seller-held financing for less than traditional um, financing that, that the banks are doing right now. Hello. Hello? Are you still there, David? Okay, we're having a lot of technical difficulties um, at this point on the show because of uh, the reception and power going in and out. So I do apologize for that, and hopefully um, let, let's take a uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to try to get um, David back on the show. Okay, we're trying to uh, make things work here with the uh, the show. We're going to try to uh, bring David back on the show if we can. And, and again, I apologize again for all the communication difficulties, but the weather, we can't help here. So if you can just bear with me as... Um, 
as we try to uh, to do that, to bring them back on. David, are you Hello? with us? I'm here. Yeah, I apologize, but the hurricane seems to be getting the best of us for this show. Uh, I, I'm here. Okay. Hold on one second. Can you hear me okay? Uh, I, I can hear you, yeah. I don't know how long we're going to last, so I'm going to let you speak. And uh, just, you know, uh, let's get some additional information on what you do and how people can reach out to you. Because we're going to bring you back on the show when the hurricane is all said and done. Because sure. I, I want to get your input on not only uh, small business and what's going on with crowdfunding everything, but I also want to get your input on the elections. So Absolutely. next Monday, next Monday, I want to bring you back on because we're going to be doing a special, uh, a special show on the elections and everything. So with that said, hello, Lou. I don't know if you can hear me. But uh, if you can, it's uh, djbbusinessbrokers.com. Once again, that's djbbusinessbrokers.com. And they can reach me at 813-444-3521. That's 813-444-DJB1. Okay, we are having some massive problems with uh, communication due to the hurricane. Okay, so with that said, um, we're going to try again to see if we can just at least complete the show with uh, David Breton of DJB Business Brokers. Okay, his um, you know his knowledge in regards to uh, the small business market and especially what's happening in uh, in Florida is. I feel it's going to be an asset to anyone that is actually uh, involved in that sector. And, again, I, I apologize for the choppy show, but uh, this is way beyond uh, my control as things are flying all over the place at this point. So we're going to try one more time to bring him on. But uh, don't don't worry. We are going to have uh, David Breton on next Monday as we have our uh, – a pre-election special, and we will hopefully will have uh, David Gadet and Sam Cadimo from Oxo Homes out of Nova Scotia on the show as well to give us their insight to what's going on in um, in the international markets as well. So, um, so uh, you're not going to lose out on the insight that these that these uh, gentlemen have to bring to the show. Uh, Money never sleeps. So we're going to try uh, again to see if we can get past this communication glip, uh, 